What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 317. My name is Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts. I'm here as always with Ron and John. Yes, you both are who you say you are. I'm seeing it with my eyes. It's accurate. I want to say that this is one of the first times that Ronald did not say I'm Ron. Which always makes it like the sentence you're trying to create, Steve, is like, I'm Steve and I'm here with Ron and John. But yeah. th- but then when Ronald says, I'm Ron, then I kind of have to say, and I'm John. And then that makes it so that like, I'm Steve and I'm here with I'm Ron and I'm John, you know? So <laughs> it makes us seem a little But what if your name was just, I'm Ron? I'm Ron. Yeah. I'm John. As I'm saying it, both of those have a ring to it. I'm John, I'm Ron. Um, I'm Steve <laughs> I mean, somehow doesn't doesn't hit the same. Doesn't, uh, doesn't roll as well, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's okay. Yes. It's okay. But yes, as we always comment, we're getting really good at this part where we say our names at the beginning of the show. This is like, that's A plus podcast. Yeah, stuff. I mean, for all of the time we've spent on this earth yeah. and the different situations where we had to say our names, this is definitely the thing that's really kind of like, whoa, like we really got it good with the podcast where we can all say our names pretty well. We were going through all these situations saying our names and no one was dom- documenting it, you know? And now yeah, yeah. there's like hours and hours of documentation that we can yeah. do it. We can do it, folks. <laughs> it's the true purpose of the podcast, just so that <laughs> right. we can each get well. It's get, get, get really, really uh, good at saying our, our names uh, yeah. in some sort of sequence. Uh, but yeah, so welcome to Movie Schmovie 317. If you're listening on uh, your favorite podcast platform, thank you so much. If you're watching us on this video portion that we do on YouTube, that's awesome as well. Um, yeah. But if you want to jump ship and go to either one, movieschmovie.com, you can see all of our podcast options for the audio piece and jump over to youtube.com slash movie movie channel. If you want to see what this looks like week to week with uh, our same backgrounds and our, in our homes and, and uh, you know, all that is to offer from the visual elements of movie movie. You can get that on YouTube. <laughs> you know, we should do this. Ronald, we should, Ron, we should, Ronald, you're we should have, what are you, you going to say? We should put little Easter graphic. eggs. We should put little Easter eggs in the video for the audio yeah. and the audio for the video. You know what I mean? We should like send people in either way. Like we should be like, only in the video yes. will you see the shirt we're referring to. And only yes. in the audio yes. will you hear the secret message for our fans. You know, we should, we yeah. should do something like that. Oh, I, this, is a, this is the thing I was thinking of. Uh, so we now have an intro and outro, right? The intro and outro have our theme song in it. In the comments of the video, or you can email it to us, movieshmovie at gmail.com. Tell us the movie where the theme song comes from that's uh, in our intro. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. You know and if you do, is- and if you get it right, Ronald is offering a free month of rent from his brand new house. Yes. He has some extra space, and uh, whoever gets it right first can live there for a month for free. Right, Ronald? Yeah. This I'm gonna right. I'm gonna sweeten that deal, pun intended. Instead yeah. of a, a month at Ronald's house, you get to join us for this mythical ice cream that we said we were gonna have when we won the that that cream. bet about who, how many people were gonna die in Endgame or Infinity yeah. War or something we had going yeah. on. But anyway, Ronald lost. Yeah. It was Steve and I a scoop. How about you just you better than a month at Ronald's house is sitting yeah. down with the three of us and eating ice cream. Since we've talked about that, three locations have opened up. Yeah, that place. Yeah, the three Tremory. locations. Yeah. One that opened up right when I left where I lived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it pissed me off so bad because I saw it was like being built and 
anyway. It's neither here nor That's there. funny. That's funny. It'll it'll eventually happen, hopefully. Yeah, man. One, we'll make it one day. One day. Mm-hmm. Um, but today we have gotten together to talk about a couple things. Mainly, we're gonna go over uh, we were fortunate enough yet again to get access to a virtual arm of a pretty fantastic film festival by that name precisely. And uh, we were able to check out a lot of titles from this year's Fantastic Fest. And we're going to go through some of those things, talk about these movies, what we thought of them, maybe where you can check some of them out. Um, And we're going to talk a little news at the top and then at the back end of the show, kind of jump into some other things that we've seen. The also rans, the, hey, check it out. We uh, saw this here and that there. Um, So we'll close the show out with that kind of thing. Um, I guess it's like this recurring thing, like these news items that we always talk about. It's just like, there's an eye uh, just kind of watching the box office week to week. And, you know, it was a pretty uh, special week just to talk about it because, um, you know, for all the moving around that Sony did with Venom, Let There Be Carnage, it seemed like someone made maybe the best decision of the last 18 months because um, it had the biggest opening of the whole pandemic era of box office um, besting black widow and uh, Shang-Chi, but, but mainly just to kind of discuss, like, you know, it even opened on just a standard three day weekend, you know, and had like an over $90 million opening. And then the day we were recording this, it was announced that, you know, it kind of got to a hundred million dollars in five days, the same time it took Shang-Chi um, which is just exciting, you know, for that franchise, for Sony, um, you know, and then just for like what's to come here in the fall here, uh, you know, with Bond coming out and Dune coming out and major, you know, just some big blockbuster movies that are still coming, Eternals, uh, throughout the rest of the year that maybe there were some questions around. And I think there still remains questions around some of the titles that I just said. Maybe Spider-Man is the only surefire thing uh, that we see in the next couple of months. But all in all, I mean, I personally was shocked at that number when that Venom number came out. Um, I thought it would do well, but the best opening of the of this era uh, that we've kind of just gone through and are still in. Uh, what do you guys think? I, I don't think any of us saw this film yet, but I saw. Uh, what What do you guys think of it? You did, okay? Yeah. Um, of the performance, and you know, I guess what it means for maybe what people are thinking and feeling about going back to the movies here uh, in the fall, Ronald. Uh, yeah, so I mean, this is this is proof that there's space for this, um, and I I don't want to say back because I think that's we haven't had a billion dollar movie again, right? There, there, there's going to be a while before that happens. But man, the idea that that's an option, well, two things: the the idea that that's an option, and in a couple of months you can still see it at home it's really promising like let's let's talk about uh free guy for a second which has legs beyond legs it's on pvod right now and it's still doing pretty well in the theater which is proof that maybe the model should be maybe fast pvod let it ride out in the theater for maybe a month or two see how it does rather than the day and date thing i mean let's be honest like it's it's killing some movies um, I don't like it in the way that it, it's movies suffer, but I'm not going back to the theater right away. And uh, I have seen like I, I, I saw Free Guy um, PVOD a um, couple days ago. And I, I know somebody that just went to the theater the other day. 
to see it like just, yeah. like after it came out on pvod and i think it's going to be the same thing with venom i think that because venom has this big uh it, it's it feels kind of like a renegade movie it's outside of the marvel disney sort of system in association of, with marvel that's what those yeah, movies yeah. say it's, I, I just love that it's like they're being yes. so careful to say like it's almost like it sh- they should have a logo that says not the MCU, you know, because yeah. it's like the way it's worded. But it, the, but the opening logo is kind of like the old Marvel logo that I, I think oh. it, that you used to get in front of like various movies that I mean, maybe I'm wrong to think that that was in front of a lot of different properties, but like that kind of old school animated one with like comic book pages flipping. Yeah, and I kind of like miss that. that. I kind of like that one a little bit better than the uh, current version with Me all too. the, you know heroes in it but anyway no it's funny how much this is marvel but not marvel and that yeah. it's also branded in such a way though if you weren't really in the know or looking at that stuff you might think this is just the latest marvel movie um but not because of the movie itself really just because of the fact that it says marvel at the beginning and the fact yeah. that there is a little bit you know there are little tie-ins little nods um anyway ronald you were you were still saying something. oh yeah so it this is just a it's a it's a scrappy movie, man. Like I, you know, I haven't seen it, but the first one was like, regardless of how you feel about um, the MCU, you could watch the first Venom and feel like, you know, you can get into the story and have a lot of fun. And it is wacky. Like it's wacky. And I hear that the second one is equally, if not more wacky, it's wacky, but it's yeah. still fun, man. Like that's a fun damn movie. So I think the key is good movies. I, I think that they keep, they keep talking about these movies that have failed, but there has to be movies that kind of have like a, a larger appeal. It's not a, yeah. just about it falling right in during COVID. It's about it being falling during COVID and also being good. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I do think I there's a bit so of an upswing, though. I do think like yeah. the fact that this movie did as well as it did is sort of like a sign that, you know, to say it's back is a little bit whatever, getting <laughs> ahead of ourselves. But it's swinging back. Like it's possible for a movie to have a pretty good weekend now that it wasn't necessarily the big behemoth, you know, on the yeah. landscape. I, I think the fact that Venom is is Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage, uh to be more accurate. Um, you know, funnily enough, I did not see the first Venom, but the trailer for the oh. second one looked so fun. And and my son, who had seen the first one, wanted to see this one. And we made it through some some homework and got ahead on some schoolwork. And the reward was, let's go see a flick. So we went to see it last night. And um, cool. yeah, I mean, it's good, goofy fun. And I think it's the kind of movie that an audience is going to... You could sit right down in it and you don't have to think... I mean, I hate, I'm not trying to, I, I'm never really the turn off your brain and enjoy a movie guy, but this movie falls into that spot where it is, it is crazy. And it almost like pacing wise, effects wise, everything about it. It's like, there's some weird combination of like, um, uh, uh, not like real underground movies or trauma or something like that, but there is a kind of B movie schlocky sensibility to this that's embraced that you couldn't do in a regular Spider-Man movie. And the fact that this is tenuously connected to Spider-Man and that it's Sony that owns it, uh, the character and that actually Sony's loaning him to the MCU and Disney might have, you know, some kind of whatever that, that is so boring to try to explain to anybody. Essentially, this is a Spider-Man villain that is being given his own franchise as a sort of heroic character outside of that, the mythos of Spider-Man. Um, but there are there are ways that I could see them folding things in in the future because that seems to be where they're going with everything. Um, so I don't know. I think that it is. It's like it's both everything you just said, Ronald. It's a wacky, silly movie that doesn't require you to 
doesn't require much of you at all. Didn't even really require that I had seen the first one. Uh, there were a few things that I think would have made more sense to me had I seen the first one, but everything's kind of in place. He's basically a guy who has a sort of uh, invisible friend that lives inside him all the time that is always talking to him. And then that thing also is a crazy alien monster that can pop out of him and be very visible and likes to eat people's heads. And the deal they've struck is, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll fight crime and you can only eat the heads of people who really deserve it. <laughs> it's kind of the <laughs> premise. So, I mean, it's fun and it's, it's schlocky and it almost could be pushed a little further and be like an R rated uh, movie very, very easily. Um, you know, Woody Harrelson always seems to be having a blast. Tom Hardy in this role, I, I kind of can't get over it in a strange way. After Capone, though, I understand that Tom Hardy is not, you know, like he doesn't have this sure hand necessarily <laughs> about his career. So I'm looking at this role as like, this is a movie where he gets to do something kind of fun because it's not doing the superhero franchise thing. It's doing something kind of scuzzier and looser and and less pretentious in a way than than all that. I don't know. There, it, th th this is an odd, fun movie. I wouldn't say I had no complaints about it or anything, but I went in fully expecting it to be a diversion, and it like clocks in at ninety minutes. I mean, when was the last time a superhero movie clocked in at ninety minutes? You know, we need more of that. I think. Right. Right. So yeah. It was fun. And, and I do think it points to the, like, I think some of those movies you mentioned, they all sound like movies that are destined to have some kind of recognition. So I could see, I could see Bond having a similar weekend. I could see Eternals having a similar weekend. I could see Dune. I don't know, Dune. I'm sorry, Dune. I just don't know if this is your year, but I think a lot of people yeah. are excited to see that. And I think a lot of people will be watching it at home. Um, a Halloween Kills is another movie. I wonder how that's going to, you know, the fact that it's going to be available for watching at home too. I wonder what that's going to do to its box office chances. But, you know, that's a big one that'll, that I think that'll, could be a hit. That'll be interesting because that one being on, like, I don't know how many people are using Peacock right. as a as a platform um, where, like, you know, if you're dropping stuff on HBO Max, like, they've <clears throat> done a pretty interesting job of growing that subscriber base over the last year or, or really since its launch but yeah the peacock one will be interesting and i really don't think a lot of people even know that that's happening like you know if you like you see a lot of things online like i, I people like i don't know i just i it, it's in the it's in all of the marketing now but i just feel like there's a lot of um it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see like i it, it could be the one that i don't know I don't know that it is going to be hurt as much by the peacock of it all, but I could be totally wrong. But in general, though, I think that the idea of, you know, Venom overperforming and, you know, even even internationally where like Bond and Dune have already opened, you know, they they're especially Bond performing on par with or better in some cases to the prior pieces of the franchise, you know, like higher than Skyfall or higher than what was it higher than specter but lower than skyfall you know it's like it's like registering internationally on par with the franchise which will make it really interesting to see how it does here dune you know i think it's already crossed 100 million internationally so like that's a good start for it and it's got a lot of markets to still come so you know it'll it'll it just it's it's reassuring i guess but it's also possibly just kind of showing how divisive it can be in terms of like the kind these kinds of movies that do really well you know, these like kind of easy to digest, like comic book movies that seem to be doing really well. Like, let's see another blockbuster that's not the comic book movie break the 50, 60 million dollar mark. And, you know, that could be Bond. That could be maybe Dune, maybe Matrix. But I'd, I'd like to see one really kind of make that stamp 
that's not a comic book movie. Um, right. That is that, that's the real kind of litmus of the whole thing. But we will see over the next couple of weeks. There's a lot of titles coming out, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it briefly in some capacity um, uh, next week. But uh, so yeah, let's move on to the the, the main purpose of the, today's show is really just to kind of go through some of the titles that we were able to check out at this year's Fantastic Fest. Another festival that was kind enough to give us access to, uh, you know, at least a portion of its programming, um, just like Sundance, South by did. And, you know, I think that the success of this kind of portion of a festival has been really um, positive and encouraging. And, you know, I think it's allowed these festivals to really try to include people that would really never be able to participate. Um, and in some ways, hopefully that helps the reach of some of the movies that they're really trying to showcase um, whether those movies finds you know traditional distribution or smaller means of getting out there um, but I know personally like you know half probably half of what I watched at Fantastic Fest I don't know that I'd ever had I, if I would ever see these titles ever anywhere you know like beyond at programming at a festival like this um, but yeah, thankfully we got access. Thank you to everyone out there. It's a fantastic fest or their like press group that set us up. It was um, appreciated. And again, their platform, I think, you know, watching these on demand, their platform, it was really nice. Oh, good. Um, one of the more stable, consistent, uh, functional uh, and flexible platforms um, in terms of how to watch these titles. Yeah. Um of, of some of the ones that we've been able to watch this way. So kudos to their, <laughs> to their app developers or whoever's doing that. Cause that was a really easy to watch these, these movies. But um, I mean, where do we want to start? You want to, Ronna, why don't you talk about a couple? I mean, you seen, you probably watched probably more than any of us, but yeah, just uh, I, start I guess us off. Just in the interest of not boring your brains out. I'm I'm just gonna name some some of the standouts. Just ones name them all, and 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 then we'll get into some of them. We'll we'll all name the movies we saw. I think a lot of times the okay. lists maybe people would love a list out of us that doesn't have all okay. of our diversions. So yeah, but so, how many how many did you see? I was curious about that. You said you were gonna honestly, see ten. Honestly, <laughs> not. Yeah, I saw about ten. Okay, wow, it That's was great. It That's wasn't great. even like consciously. I saw, I saw ten. Wowzer. Yeah, I saw 10 movies. Uh which was... we, we have them for a couple more days. So I'm actually gonna use your yes, your me. comments to recommend to me because I have had I'll have more time Absolutely. in the next few days to watch uh, movies than I have recently. I've watched a lot of other things, but not as much yeah. Fantastic Fest. So so, so let me start uh name above title, uh a film, a short that I watched about. Oh god, it's so hard to describe. It's it's essentially a serial killer who uh, upon seeing a woman fall from a building uh, gives her a kiss on the lips and gets kind of famous off of it. But people aren't very conscious that he's a serial killer at first. Like it, it very much is like this like warm thing that this man has done to kind of comfort this woman as she falls to her death. She falls and is essentially bleeding to death and he gives her this romantic kiss and it follows the events leading to that wow. and the subsequent um, reaction of the public once he does it, he becomes this darling like this. So he doesn't become rock. weird creeper who kissed. A no, dead no, woman. no. Okay. If, if you see what happens, she just kind of falls 
he sees her, he comes up to her, and then he gives her a kiss in front of everyone, like in front of people that are kind of like watching this lady. And it's very clear that when she hits the ground that she's not going to live, you know. Uh, so it's it's interesting. Right. It's, it's, it's a short. It's about half an hour long. Very worth checking out. Uh, let the wrong one in. Um, it's in, I believe it's an Irish film. It, it's a, it, it's it's a vampire movie about a, a a gentleman whose brother um gets kicked out of the house is a drug addict and becomes a vampire, and it's like this duality of like a commentary about dr- drug addiction and uh. It, it it flips some like tropes about vampire movies on its head. Think like you know, uh, Shaun of the Dead. Think think that kind of feel to a movie. Really, and okay. So one thing I will say uh, about some of these movies is like, of all the the festivals we've covered, this one feels the most like a bunch of movies could have gotten one more edit. And I think that has to maybe do with. COVID and everything and how hard it was to kind of make things post-production and stuff like that and just filming things in general. So I'll say that. I'll give you that warning. Some of these feel a little like one more edit. The found footage phenomenon, which was a documentary about found footage movies. Trash. It was absolute trash. It was just so long. I mean, it it was long and it did not, it did not go (laughs) like I was watching it. And within 10 minutes, I was like, I don't think I'm interested enough in this topic or I don't have enough questions about this to, to sustain a documentary. And there were no like secrets unearthed. There was no like particular angle they had to the way it was put together. Uh, I would say even the interviews with the people who I would enjoy seeing like, um, Eduardo Sanchez uh, from Blair Witch or the guy who directed Creep, they're kind of just interwoven in with all these other sort of also-ran movies, and you're putting Blair Witch next to, like, some pretty questionable uh, movies. Now, they did talk to the guy who made Host as well, and that's that's one that I I rank really highly. So, I mean, there's a few good movies covered in it, but... It just does. There's not like you start watching it and you just go, yeah. There's not a documentary here. Like there's no reason to do this. You would yeah. more you'd more enjoy a, like an intensive look at how they made one of these things. Yes. Like if it was a look at how they actually made something like host during COVID, that yes. could sustain a twenty to thirty minute little really interesting making of. You know, but this was not that. It didn't go in depth and it didn't. In, there was, I don't know. It just was funny to me how much it was like. Wow, this is really stretching it to call this a subject that's. Just Deserving of this kind of dry assessment because none of the stuff was particularly surprising. I, again, I think I think hearing how they made something that that you saw like Blair Witch Project, hearing how they made the specific decisions that they made that made the movie would have yeah. been cool. You oh. don't get that, so yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's it, yeah, not a phenomenon. Uh, so, <clears throat> no, no, no. no. Uh, King Car, which is a Brazilian movie about. A man that's obsessed with cars. I'll just put it there. It's artsy. It takes some choices. <laughs> he fucks it's a your car. choice. If you, yeah, he fucks some cars. Like he, this guy's really <laughs> just, obsessed with cars. That was me guessing. No, it's a weird be. movie, man. It's <laughs> it's a very strange movie. Um, I then saw a Canon Canon Arm and the Arcade Quest documentary that takes place in Denmark about a guy that's obsessed with uh, an arcade beating a score of an arcade. I thought that was pretty good. Ah. Uh, I don't know if I'd ever see it again, um, but it was it was interesting, interesting documentary. Uh, UK movie called Barbarians about uh, this like 
it's a weird commentary on like alpha male sort of culture that's being pushed. I don't know if you've seen in the past like year or two, this like increase of alpha influencers that are basically like, why are you in a place that you're in? You should be talking to people differently. Don't let anybody step on you. You should be making a million dollars. Don't women, don't let women talk to you a certain way. Those guys, it's basically a commentary about that kind of person. This, this man makes this sort of living quarters for alpha males and um, hmm. a friend of the alpha male uh, kind of moves in and a sequence of events happens where this, the land that they're built, they built this alpha male sort of land on has been taken from somebody and uh, somebody wants it back. I'll put it like that. Um, solid. I think it's worth checking out. I feel it, it takes some dark turns that I'm just a really big fan of. Just bring me knives, bring me stabbings. I'm always about that. Um, and so I'm uh, I, there's there's someone inside your house, the Netflix film that came out um, based on the novel yeah. series. There's uh, someone inside your house. Yeah. 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 OK. Uh, and then <laughs> and then two movies that I absolutely want everybody to see right now. One. Uh, Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes, it's about a Japanese cafe where a guy comes in into his own cafe and sees that a monitor that he's looking at is two minutes ahead of where he is currently and looking and he's looking at himself in, in um, in the monitor. So he basically figures out that this monitor is two minutes ahead and there is a level of time travel in it. That is the coolest use of time travel that I've ever seen in my life. They figure out a way based on this monitor to time travel. And that's all I'll say. It's unreal. And it's simple. It's simple within the world. Like it's, there aren't any special effects. It just really well edited, really well written script beyond the infinite two minutes. I don't know where it's going to be, but I'm, it, it, it's going to get picked up somewhere. If if somebody like Netflix picks it up and they have some dubbing, because I know that sometimes people are a little weird about subs, this is going to be it. And the next one, the final one, which is actually going to Netflix, um, I think the 16th of this month, um, a film called uh, The Trip, which um, stars, what's her name? Numi Rap- Is it Numi Rapace? Let me rapace. Yep. Yeah. It is a is a movie about a man that wants to kill his wife. He decides when they go on this this honeymoon sort of thing. Well, not a honeymoon, just kind of like an outing to a cabin where he he grew up. That he's going to kill his wife, and that decision branches off into a whole bunch of chaos. But it, it is really well written. It's fast paced. It's fun. It is like a B movie in terms of the violence. Like it gets bloody. It gets bloody, bloody, bloody. And it is so fucking fun. Aaron and I watched it and we were screaming the whole time. Like it, it's one of ah, 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 those, those sort of screams. Uh, uh, those are the movies I've seen. The Trip, Infinite, Two Minutes. Please see those two movies. Everything else, yeah. 
Infinite two minutes, the way you describe it, I know it's totally different tonally, but it's interesting the way you describe it could be the way you describe primer too, in a way, which is to say mm -hmm. that like, it's totally no budget or no effects, but like it, it gets into this thing, this genre that you normally you have to use a lot of effects to get into. Yes. Now, yeah, I watched just a little bit of Infinite two, two Minutes and that's one that I definitely want to finish. And you're yeah. right, it's super inventive. Once, the, once it clicks in with like how they're, developing that it's like you just you just kind of wish all all sci-fi movies ha or, or or genre movies or thrillers had a hook that you know what i mean had something yes. clever like that to work with because that is yeah. yeah time machine is is like such a tired concept like it is when someone has a has a fresh idea on it uh it, yeah. make the story good and everything else will follow like yeah. everything else about this is good like once you figure out you're like you're right the concept and you figure out how that's uh, that's established, how you can go from here to two minutes ahead yeah. without going two minutes ahead. It gets so fucking freaky. Like, <laughs> it's really cool, man. So yeah, worth, cool. worth checking out. What about you guys? What did would you, would you get a chance to see? Steve, did you watch a bunch or just a few? <clears throat> um, I ended up watching seven. Okay, so you're still oh, more wow. than me. Let's hear your list. Um, so I, I came in hot at the tail end of this to try you to did. catch up here. Yeah. Uh, so so not to rehash it, like that, there were definitely some crossover. I too saw the found footage phenomenon. Yeah, I mean, you know, like it's not anything special. I personally, though, like listening to the different filmmakers, like their takes on, you know, their the different kinds of found footage and like kind of where they saw their place in it. Yeah. Um, because it's just, it's kind of interesting because like they kind of talk against one another at some points in the doc. Yeah. And, um, you know, so for that, just like a talking head, like it would be more interesting to hear more about the making of some of them. Um, yes. Specifically the ones like John mentioned, but like it, it's people like I, I never have really seen talk about the genre or the subgenre before. So I, I found it at least engaging for that stuff, but you know, pretty forgettable. Um, there's someone inside your house, which is, yeah, like Ronald said, is, is actually now on Netflix. Um, I like, I like Patrick, was it Patrick Bryce is, is the director's name, um, who did like creep and he did, um, uh, Oh, that was him called? that did, uh, there's someone in your house. Yeah. And he someone's did, inside um, your house or whatever it's called. Yeah. The other one that was, what else did he do? Um, corporate animals and the overnight. Okay. You know, like, I like him. He's kind of versatile. He, like, does a bunch of kind of different, like, kind of dark stuff. And, like, this definitely felt more like a, you know, kind of like a standard, you know, slasher flick um, yeah. with with a little bit of, like, a 90s tilt to it, at least in terms of what it felt like, you know, in terms of the pacing and the story. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, it, you know, entertaining a little. I mean, but, again, not something um, that really kind of stood out to me. Uh, Cannon Arm and the Arcade Quest, it's, it's a... It's like a, a film takes place in Denmark documentary. I thought that was actually really interesting. And I thought that was pretty moving. I mean, it's a pretty silly idea like that. Basically this group of friends that like kind of all just congregate around this arcade bar, you know, kind of this support system for this, this guy cannon arm, who's like basically trying to break this record of playing this game for a certain amount of hours straight. Um, less so probably about the game and like more so about like just how, you know, sometimes the closest connections in your life are people that aren't really your family, but just people that you have like this common interest with and, you know, things that kind of just pull you together. So in that sense, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I also saw that the wrong one in, 
thought that was pretty fun. Um, very, very much like Ryan said, Shaun of the Dead. Uh, the, the other ones that I, I managed to check out um, that stood out to me um, was uh, a documentary about a band that I really don't know anything about. But um, there's actually two documentaries about bands that I saw that would probably be on the top three of what I've seen. But the first was uh, Who Killed the KLF, which I've heard that band's name a lot in my life, but I've never mm-hmm. really had any association with them. But that documentary was really good and um, very interesting. Learned a lot about them and kind of how, um, like, the disappearance from, like, the music scene. And, like, you know, I guess they went through this whole period where they pulled their entire catalog from, you know, being able to be streamed and foregoing probably millions of dollars. Um, but it just a really, I don't, you know, it's a really interesting documentary about this band. Um, the other one was This Is Guar, who Scott Barber um, directed, who, a friend of the pod. Yeah, friend of the pod, Scott Barber. For his Nickelodeon doc. Um, but that was, I thought, pretty great, actually. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm very aware of Guar and... Definitely listened to them a bit growing up, especially in the Beavis and Butthead era of my life. Um, which it was fun to see that pop up in the uh, in the in the movie um, because I think that was a big crossover period for that band. Absolutely, um, and, and and Mike Judge's kind of like ability to help do that. But um, we talked a little bit about it on the on our text thread. But um, I just found that movie so or that documentary like so engaging and like emotional emotional like for you know i didn't really have any real real connection to this band but i definitely knew some of their music and and a lot of the character that was around them um but it was awesome to see like the people in the band and in those characters um, or who brought those characters to life talk about you know that that again that family that they had and you know the i mean that that band life thing really kind of resonates with me having you know had my own kind of experience with it um and it's always so interesting kind of getting that behind the music take um and i think that scott does a great job really kind of drilling into a lot of the emotional turmoil that was in that band and you know kind of how they rotated characters members at times because of a lot of drama and and some personal problems and health problems and things like that and just like it's a really well put together documentary and 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 kind of exploring the impact that that band had on like true metal bands that like are like quote-unquote legit metal bands and like guar kind of always had this like showmanship i don't know like a like a it had like a i don't know the right word but like i don't know that in in the mainstream that they ever got like the real respect that a lot of these metal bands like pay to them because they really are like impressive musicians i mean if you really yeah. kind of get into the nuts and bolts of their music but um it's just like it's just a really good documentary and i hope that i don't know what the plans are for its release but like if you're into music docs i think those two the the you know who killed the klf and especially this is guar are worth your time i know you mentioned seeing it john did you want to like talk well, about that one too well um well the last time we talked i said i had um I had gone on and I'd had some buffering issues and I had, but I had watched like the first oh, okay. 10 minutes and I'd recommended it. But now that I've seen the whole thing, yeah, I, I, I kind of, I was co-signing a lot of what you were saying about what made it so special. And I think sometimes a documentary captures a band at a moment where the, the story is sufficiently like the band is kind of, 
at a point in their career where you can say this is a good stopping point to tell the story right. or right. or the stuff we capture while we're filming is a good story. This is a little bit of the second, but more of the other, more of the first, which is just the band's been around. And at this point in their history, they now exist in this different form. And so you can encapsulate a lot of the kind of early years and the formative like the, the 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 original members and what's going on with them and the fact that they now are a band. I mean, there's other bands that do this. Um, uh, Man or Astro Man has like a couple of different versions that tour around bands that just have like yeah. there's a there's a roadshow aspect to what they do that they can sustain almost like a, a, a almost like it's Hamilton or something like that where it's like you can be right, part of the right. touring company of Guar you know and you're going around and I think this movie as you said it gets into like you spend as much time with some of the kind of effects people there's one guy in particular who's probably one of the more compelling characters who's never a member of the band but is like yeah. originally starts out as an art slave and ends up being a guy who you know is one of the big through lines it seems like from the early days to now for this band and who cares about it and yeah you know i think if you do have good musicianship on stage and then next to it there's like people being fed into a meat grinder or whatever people are going to remember <laughs> the meat grinder more than they do the music yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. i do love how like the creative choices of this band are not like they're not treated as an afterthought as you would think they could be um and yeah, it's a compelling story. So I think that if you're a fan of docs, if you're a fan of music docs, if you're a fan of Guar, if you're a fan of uh, Scott's other uh, documentary, the, the Orange Years, I mean, I think that he clearly is a guy who can pinpoint like a cultural thing, a cultural moment yeah. that's got some juice in it. And whereas I think the Orange Years is a is a great fun doc because of that kind of member berries effect of like you're kind of listing all these things and talking about them a little bit the structure of that is similar to what you would do with a band which is like you're going through the years and eventually you're like well we're going from the seventh album to the eighth album how do you keep your documentary from feeling repetitive well the right. orange years did it by virtue of just having great talking heads that you wanted to see and having this overarching narrative about how nickelodeon was founded this has those characters it has the members of the band and even as someone who knew a little bit about this band i didn't quite understand the passion and the sort of serious mindedness that went into the way some of this was done and the, the headbutting yeah. and infighting it's heartbreaking <clears throat> to see there's one particular clip late in the movie that's just bone chilling in terms of how cold-hearted one of the members of the band seems um towards towards a fallen bandmate um but it's presented like it's right there in the dock. And I have to think when Scott was getting some of this, he had to know like, oh, this is like a real story. These people are really giving me good interviews and yeah. I'm getting candid shit. I'm not getting like uh, electronic press kit stuff, which, you know, you could easily do a really entertaining electronic press kit about Guar and it would be a fine documentary. But I think this, I would bet that even people associated with the band probably feel good that they got, an, uh, they got a real movie. You know, you don't always yeah, get a real definitely. movie when someone does a, a thing on a band like that, because sometimes it's a puff piece. So yeah. Uh, Scott, if you're listening, come on the show. We'd love to talk to you about how you put this one together. I really want to talk about what it was like hanging out with Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, because yeah. that, you know, he's right there. <laughs> Um, it's but, funny too, like in, in, in the doc though, it is really like consistent with the orange years. Like they do manage to get, or he does manage to get like a lot of really interesting talking heads. Like, you know, yeah. just people that have nothing to do with Guar really that are in entertainment or just faces, yeah. voices, musicians, artists that you just may, you know, you know, you yeah. can identify them and you know who they are. And just kind of, it's crazy to see like, you know, that how this band really has built a fan base of artists and you know and you know quote unquote celebrities that we associate with in other ways 
but yeah, like Weird Al and Ethan Embry, Thomas Lennon, Alex Winter, like Why all these people are like popping Why did I love seeing like Ethan Embry so much? Up. I mean, I guess we do just, we just love Ethan Embry, right? I love right? him. We love Ethan he's Embry. great on Grace and Frankie, Absolutely. too. Uh, but yes. like, he's so endearing in his interviews. Like, I felt like I wanted to ask Scott, like, was he just fun to talk to? Because he really feels like he's having a real conversation and he's looking around and kind of yeah. reacting to things. I don't know. Ethan Embry, uh, also, if you're listening, come on the show. We'll love to talk to you, too. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, but uh, you know the Sparks doc had that too. The 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 Sparks brothers had that similar thing of like Edgar yes. Wright has like has a cool Rolodex, and he said everyone he talked to when he was filming that documentary, if he ran into somebody on the street, he said, "Do you like Sparks?" And if so, he has Beck and Scott Ackerman and Flea and different really? people like that talking about it. And it's like that's a cachet for the for the the band, obviously, to be like, look at who likes this band. It's kind of that thing of like you're the musicians' musicians. If if you know yeah. if you're getting that. So anyway, sure. The weird house stamp of approval. You, you know, you can't, you can't buy that. <clears throat> the the only other one I wanted to mention real quick, and then you know, I'll I'll, I'll be done. Is um, <laughs> it's the last one I watched, which is actually it was one of the more entertaining ones that I watched. It's called Sweetie. You won't believe it. I wanted to um, see that. I you should try to check it out if you have an okay. opportunity to. Um, very much. I mean, just like uh, kind of gave me like uh, a, a a little bit of like what is it called? Like Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Did right, you ever right. see that? Yeah. Or, or yeah. even like even even a little bit of like some of the like the kind of like Taika Waititi like more of the like what we do in the shadows kind of silliness mm-hmm. of like not great situations to be in, but it's still <laughs> there's still humor in it. And yeah. it's basically about these three friends. It's a film. I think it's from Kazakhstan, and like these three friends go on this fishing trip and kind of cross paths and witness um, a mob hit out in out in the bush and basically uh that is an element of like the movie in terms of like them getting away from that with them witnessing it but then it, it, it you know and then there's like a wild card piece uh, that happens in the movie where there's this other character that um has his own motivation to um wreak havoc on basically anyone that crosses their path and uh all the while in the background, the, the main character of the three friends, like his, he's trying to get back to his wife, who's, you know, kind of giving birth to their first child. But it's kind of just like, it has that kind of silliness, uh, horror comedy. It gets some pretty, some pretty, uh, oh, <laughs> some pretty, uh, explicit like kill scenes and like just, um, some brutal <laughs> murders and, but but still like revolving around like just these three idiots that just cannot get out of their own way and just like stop you know what i mean like it's yeah. just like just just leave you know but it's like they keep creating a worse problem for themselves but um i thought it was pretty funny and you know again like just kind of easy to watch you know barely an hour and a half and um it moves quick but i would say like the tucker and dale like that that vibe of that movie um if that rings a bell for you or you, you like that kind of film, um, it, it definitely is in that vein. Um, but yeah, it's called sweetie. You won't believe it. And, um, it's kind of all based around like the idea of him having to explain to his wife what happened, um, and why he's late for the birth of their child. <laughs> <laughs> but you should check it out, Ronald, if you, if you have an opportunity while we oh, have yeah. the window. No, that sounds still, good. That worth, sounds like I saw that out. one. Yeah. Um, the, the only other one I saw that was at the festival that actually wasn't part of the offering we had, though, uh, it's out today on uh, VOD, I think, is VHS 94. Did either of you sit through that? 
Not yet. Okay. Not well, yet. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> I would say sit through it did not lead into a yeah, good. <laughs> no, I mean, I was so bored. I mean, I was like minutes wow. in going, I was, I'm just bored. But I mean, like, there, I do think there are Damn. moments. There are flickers. I I am not some. I know people that that like those movies. I may even know a few people that have worked on a couple of segments for those movies. I don't think that's my jam. I don't think short form found footage horror is my jam. I just can't get down with it. Like I was thinking with all of wow. these, like maybe if this were stretched out and was more of a story and had a little bit more worked out, it just feels chaotic. It just feels like. I don't know. It, it it just feels like it's going to be nails on a chalkboard for me stylistically because the 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 idea behind it is to be VHS and to be found footage and it's scrappy and it's it's you know it's every now and then something really gory or really surprising or there will be a plot turn or something that's just like there's one in particular um, that in this that feels like at least it's doing something kind of crazy and different but even then it's just. I just don't have any fun watching it for some reason. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I mean, maybe you guys can report back, but I was watching it going, oh yeah, I started off going, you know, I don't remember why I didn't like the other VHS movies so much. Like, why was I so down on them? And then I put this in and within minutes I was like, God, this, I just don't like that. I just, it's just not for me. So yeah, maybe, maybe you'll have a different experience with it, but I found it kind of dreary and like chaotic and just sort of ugly, like overall kind of ugly. And then also cheap if i can use that word but I, i'm such a fan of like do-it-yourself genre stuff that I, I i that's why i'm really saying this is probably not for me if you like the other vhs's then vhs 94 is is right in line <laughs> <laughs> and if, if you're a yeah. friend of the show who or a friend of a friend of the show who who worked on this then uh you know honestly getting something made go champ that's uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah I definitely want to watch it. I'm kind of in the middle, slightly positive on those movies in general. Um, maybe you'll, maybe you'll love I, it. Maybe I'm just missing I, I, I something know, about I, it. I do know, like every time I've seen them, and I think I think we've seen one or two, one of them together at one of the festivals um, here in Maryland. Didn't we see VHS or VHS the second one at, at one of the festivals? We maybe did. I think Maryland I, I feel like Festival. we did see. Yeah, we one. saw the first one. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I just know, like, you know, as I've watched these with, with friends and even Aaron and, like, just, I, like, everyone's dropped off wanting to see these. And yeah, I, I'm just still curious because I just, I, I kind of like the idea, again, going back, like, I kind of like the found footage stuff, you know, if it's done well. And I, I, you know, the idea of, like, seeing an opportunity for, like, four or five interesting up and coming and either or, and or established, like, horror filmmakers, like, in on one thing is a cool idea. I don't think the execution is always there. And most of the cases, like for the prior entries, like I've liked a couple of the entries more than anything, you know, in the movies. But I just think that, you know, I don't think any of them really have been flat out very good or great, but yeah. some of the entries I've really liked. Um, I, I probably have liked a cut. I mean, I've across the what three or four movies now. I've probably liked yeah. a movie's worth of them. You know what I mean? So there's like yeah. four or five yeah. that I've enjoyed. So, and 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 if you took all the best ones and put them together, I think they would leave me with just a different feeling of this kind of like, I don't know. It's like I remember one time when I was like 11 years old and I went to a like a haunted house. My dad took me to a haunted house. And it was like a weird, it was like a pretty freaky one for me at that age. I didn't like scary stuff. And it was, right. I remember my dad being like, this is too intense for you. We're getting you out of here. Um, and uh, 
And it was just like, I remember the dark. I remember being in the dark and going through the halls and people lunging out at me and my dad being like, we're trying to get out of here. My kid doesn't like it. You know, trying to run past people and stuff. Right. That's what watching this movie felt like to me. What a lot of it feels like to me. It's just like, it's that. It's when I say chaotic, I think that's what it is for me. That it just feels like, yeah. even the earlier ones, I feel like had a little bit more of a worked out aesthetic for some of the some of the shorts and maybe some of the motivation behind why it's found footage. But I mean, again, they try right. every one of them. Like you said, Steve, it is, it does turn over in 20 minutes. You get a new experiment and each one of them does try to have its own reason why it's, it's filmed and all that stuff. So yeah, at least it's not super repetitive. And I want to say like, I, despite, <laughs> despite not liking a found footage movie and a documentary about found footage movies, I think when done well, it's one of the most effective tools that are i mean you know between blair witch and host and creep those are three uh, uh, horror movies i hold in a pretty high regard yeah and they all use it yeah. well they all use the sort of what would someone be filming how would they film it why would they film it all that stuff um so yeah well let's let's maybe move on unless anyone has anything else to say about F fantastic fest let's move on to uh big budget Netflix uh, series. We, we teased it. We talked about the first two episodes in our last episode. Uh, but now that we've seen the whole season, maybe Steve and I can share a few thoughts. And Ronald, you say you've seen one. So maybe you can express an opinion or two about uh, Mike Flanagan's Midnight Mass, which uh, is sort of the latest. It's not the third season or anything, but it's his third, uh, you know, Halloween timed series for Netflix, where it's like a horror series. He did Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor. Obviously, those were based on other people's work. I wasn't even sure until I started watching this one that this one was not a Stephen King adaptation. So I was like, this is Mike Flanagan all the way, baby, though. This is like his sort of auteur piece. Um, and now that you've seen the whole thing, Steve, uh, what, what, what did you think? I know you're a Flanagan fan like me. You're a fan again. God damn it. I love that guy so much. And I really just genuinely believe like he's the guy, like he's my guy. Like I feel like he's batting pretty much a thousand for me. And I love listening to him talk about his process, you know, as a writer, as a director, um, working, you know, with, uh, you know, uh, Jeff Howard, who actually is like a local, he's a, he's a writer producer from Baltimore. He's worked on a bunch of his stuff with Mike at, for a period of his life, lived in Maryland. Yeah. Um, went to Towson, went right? To Towson. Yeah, went to Towson. And then Trevor Macy, who they make these films with, he's one of the producing partners at Intrepid. Like, I just really think he just like really gets how to tell a, a, a story that is a nice mix of horror and drama and human and emotional. And it's just so well balanced that, you know, no, it's not like brimming with like these jump scares nonstop, you know, every every 10 minutes or anything like that. But I just think that the weight of, you know, the story and the weight of the people that were following the characters that you meet, and you know, even with only seeing one episode, Ronald, like you probably can agree that like, you know, you get to meet a lot of people in that first episode and learn a lot about them and their place in the town and, you know, just where they all are amongst one another. Um, and he's so efficient at that. And, you know, it's just so it's just impressive, man. And like he even sticks the day with those stories this. through the season. Like he right, really right. sticks with each one of those characters pretty much gets a real story. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. And that's what I mean. It's just yeah. that like, no, I know I was just so kind of with, with the time, with, with the time. It's like so many, so many other stories that we've seen and even ones that we, we really love and, you know, champion, like most of the times, like you see a lot of those things, like where you know, half the characters kind of fall out of the story or like you, you have these plot ideas that just kind of disappear because there's just not enough time. And he definitely makes use of his time, you know, in terms of the series that he's done 
and even the film that he's done i mean like he did doctor sleep and i thought that was absolutely incredible yeah i love and um he just is like he's just special man and i really and like i was going to say like the day when we're recording this they announced he's doing like another series with netflix um based on like stories from edgar Allan poe and he's got uh the uh another series already done with Netflix. I forget what that one's called. That one's, I think, called The Midnight Club, coincidentally. Club, which is like, right, I think right, it's more right. of a tween-based thing or tween, something. It sounds yes, like it's based yes. on like a, a series of books or some pre-existing property, excuse me. <clears throat> right, right. Um, but I don't know, man. Like, I just, I just love the idea of, um, you know, in, in seven episodes of a show, you know, and I, I don't want to spoil anything for this series, so we will not say anything that's going to spoil this, even though, you know, it's been out for a week now. It's just like you really want to just stick with a show that rewards you for your time, I think. And, you know, we watch tons of movies and TV shows, um, as everyone, you know, has the option to do now with so much content out there. Um, it's easy to miss it. So I, I would just say, like, you know, I, I can't recommend it enough. I, it's one of his one of the better things I think he's made. Um, one of the better, if, if not the best, I don't know. Like it, it's hard to say. I, I do want to watch it again. I know John, you were able to watch it a second time, but um, again, and I said it last time. Like I love how he kind of like keeps these um actors and actresses like kind of you see their them pop up uh, in, in a lot of his stuff, and I think that really you see the benefit of that. I think in the fact that like, he really knows how these actors really kind of play off of one another and like what their strengths are. And that really comes through um, in the performances of pretty much everybody in the show. I think everybody is pretty phenomenal um, with the time that they're given on the screen and the, and the time dedicated to their, their, their part of this story. But, um, and I don't want to, I don't want to say that there aren't any kind of creepy or scary parts in the show. Cause there definitely are very unsettling parts and you know uncomfortable parts and you know um, even even disturbing like there's some some imagery that's like yes. right out of your darkest nightmare you know yes yes um but yeah i don't know i i don't i don't want to get into any kind of spoilery type stuff especially because ronald hasn't seen it all or yeah. any viewers or listeners like they've done an amazing job trying to kind of bottle up what this show is really about in the yeah. marketing and they and they've made an effort to kind of like take a vow of silence, you know, if you've seen the show and let people kind of understand and discover what it's really about on their own. And I think it's pretty smart because I think if you can really kind of, I, I personally, Aaron and I, like when you really start to understand what it's about, you're just like, wow. Okay. Like yeah. that's what's happening. And that was pretty awesome to not have that spoiled for me. I've been, I would have been bummed had it been spoiled. You mean, you mean, you mean the sort of like what the hook of the actual yes. supernatural, yes. whatever you call it, story yes. is. Yeah, it's yes. it's like you, I knew it was going to be dealing with faith. Mike Flanagan is a faith, a man of faith in his own life, or at least he's alluded to that. I knew it was going to deal with those questions uh, in a way that felt sincere. Like Mike Flanagan's very earnest a lot of times with his filmmaking. Yeah. Like he has, he lets characters tell long stories. There's, if, if there is not a criticism so much as just a stylistic tick to this series, definitely the long monologue is something that, that it uses and it gives each one of its kind of key characters a long monologue almost in some form. Yeah. And some of those maybe work, maybe work better for you in terms of keeping your attention than others. But even on like on the second viewing, I will say this, this is a show that you're referring to kind of the, the, the twists of the story, Steve, this is a show that like the second time through, it's one of those where everything you're going, Oh God, they're setting it up. 
here, they're setting it up there. Every little thing they say is like, not like too on the nose, but it's like, it's so, it's that good version of deliberate that we, that we sometimes yeah, yeah, talk yeah. about the bad excuse of, oh, it was deliberately slow paced. It was deliberately. <laughs> um, but I think like, I, I won't spoil any story thing, but I will say that like the, the, those long monologues, like there's a great example of a scene where it's like, it's just an insane scene. You wouldn't have a scene, it must be a 20 minute scene that's two people talking about the nature of death. Yeah. And it's like a play. And I don't even know if I if I think it needs to be as long as it is or if I I, I just I'm I'm with I'm in the room with these characters and these actors are given such room to breathe and you get time to go, well, this is kind of going on a while and then go, oh, wait, that's really an interesting turn. And oh, and it's like two people talk about the nature of death. One person sort of believes in the hereafter. One person doesn't. And that the way they talk about it, it's just so it's like especially the second time, the person who has the belief the, the, the show allows them to seem a little childish in their belief. And the person who doesn't have the belief, the show allows you to notice that they seem a little bleak and a little bit nihilistic. So even in presenting, like, here's the nihilist argument and he, or the atheist argument, and here's the person of faith argument, even within that, it allows you to bring your own biases to the scene and go, well, that yeah. person of faith is just a nincompoop. And that person uh, who's got no faith, they're such a dark, depressed person, and they don't realize how much faith <laughs> would brighten their life. I don't know. I just think that he takes characters seriously. You mentioned the recurring actors. We got to talk about some of them. Um, Robert Longstreet is a fucking boss. He's so good. Uh, uh, Henry Thomas is back in such a big way because of Mike Flanagan. I, he's one of my favorite yeah. actors again. There's a, there's a scene where that starts off with him dancing with his wife that then gives us a montage of what's mm. happening across the whole town that is one of my favorite pieces of filmmaking of recent years. It gets it gets me emotionally. It's got, the, like Steve said, this is not straight up horror throughout, but it's got the creep factor, these little indications that things aren't aren't great. And I will say that if people watched Hill House and part of the fun of that show was watching, looking in the background for ghosts. And you're like, well, where's that? The, the show doesn't have that. This show has a different thing where once you've seen the story and you look back at it, you'll look for changes. You'll look for everything that's kind of changing over the course of the story. And it is so carefully planned out. And it is just, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's kind of ingenious. And you even mentioned, Steve, yeah. the, the, the last time when we were just talking about the first two episodes, the structure of the show being on this isolated island, it so quickly sets up how isolated they are. It so quickly sets up how few of them there are. It's just, I mean, there's so much elegant stage setting like that, and it feels really like a, 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 you know, like a labor of love. This really feels like a special story for for Mike Flanagan. Um, so yeah, no, I again, if you like his stuff, I think this will be a right down the middle for you, even if it challenges you in some spots. But it's like I just don't know if anybody else is working on this level with this kind of material right now. I really can't think of anybody else that I'm that excited about, particularly in one of my favorite genres, if not my favorite, which yeah. is which is this kind of. Horror, but horror with with characters. Not you know, not it's not trying to go for the cheap thrills at all. And Hamish yeah. Linklater, I have I didn't mention him. Jesus Christ, he's fantastic in this. Yeah. There you go, Ronald. If you don't like it, then we'll we'll speak to you, but we'll look at you funny for uh, for like. I really want to watch it. The, <laughs> the, pro the problem is, I'm like I was battling watching the festival stuff, and. Yeah. There's another thing I want to talk about, I guess, that, that I watched that just kind of took over general general talk for a little bit that affected what I prioritized. But I absolutely want to watch this. And and I wanted to watch it in in my basement so yeah. that I could because the first episode I watched the thunder. So I'll give you I'll, I'll tell you how good the sound is on this show. 
there's a thunderstorm at in, in the first episode that it rained the same day that we watched it. Aaron was <laughs> so convinced that it was happening outside. There's a spatial thing that he's doing in the show. And it's not just that scene. There's like a couple that shouldn't have sound the way that they do. I guess the eye, you know, the setting where he goes to where the cats are. I, I mean, a, a, does that give anything? Where the cats mm-hmm. are? I don't know. That's fine. There's there's cats in the show. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What, what, <laughs> the, the, just, the, just the section where the cats are. It sounds like you're kind of in the middle of a field. Yeah, it. Yeah, and it's throwing around. So even if you just have a sound bar in front of you, like the, this good use of sound combined with just a good story. So I have to finish this. I have to finish this thing. Yeah, I can't wait to talk to you about it once you. Finish oh man, it. I can't wait to. I can't wait to talk to you guys about it. So what's what's the other thing that you want to talk about? Yeah, man, transition. Let's look. <laughs> A meteor, a meteor hit the earth the other day, and it, it was called Squid Game a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Okay, so this is a pretty unique Netflix situation because it is a fully Netflix finance thing. They made it. They, they aren't a, for, for those that don't know, a lot of Netflix's content, let's say about 50% of their content is acquired from other places. So they existed on other networks, other services. Um, other regions of the world, they put the Netflix stamp on it and then put it out. This this show was fully produced and created by Netflix. It is a Netflix original through and through. They will never lose a license for this mo- for this for this show. Fully produced. It is one of the most compelling shows I've seen in a really long time. I mean, just in terms of like, if you just this doesn't is it it isn't super heavy. I mean, it does tackle some very heavy things, but it's casually fun in a way that I just haven't seen in a really long time. And um, for any any of you guys that like Hunger Games, fans of um Cube, I don't know if you remember Cube back in the day, Battle yeah. Royale, which is pretty much the inspiration for this in many other films. The first saw. It, it's a ton of films that just kind of borrows from the 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 sort of feeling of this this show. Um, it's a group of people who are kind of down on their luck in in Korea, South Korea, and um, they're invited to play a game that is a series of childhood games uh, that if you win, you win quite a quite a bit of money. And if you lose, you lose your life. I don't want to say any more beyond that, but it is one of the most compelling shows I've ever seen. It, it because it takes little things that you you could you've played some of these games before in some way, shape, or form. You've done some of these things. You've imagined. You've always played the would you would you eat a roach off the floor for a million dollars? It's that sort of feel to it that it creates this this conversation about. Um, you know, what you would do for some money and what you would do to somebody to get to money. Um, I've never felt like this about a Netflix show beyond some of the like, you know, some of the horror films we've talked about, some of the, you know, shows. So this is, this is one of those shows that just hit me like a ton of bricks that I was not expecting to. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's also one that's like completely crossed over. Like yeah. it's ever, it's like, 
it's like one of those ones that has kind of entered the everywhere yeah it's got you know memes of i haven't seen it but like memes of like the character like the red light green light trailer you can see uh you know and uh it's again noted it's been like on the top of the netflix charts as number one for at least a week i mean you know a week or two maybe i don't even know um but yeah that's on my list for sure i i sounds interesting somebody else was comparing it to a movie that came out last year called uh or actually was it, i guess last year the platform did you guys see that Mm-mm. no 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 it's it was a good very good very good movie uh i think it's also on netflix yeah it's really good um just in this idea of like competing like against oh, okay. against one another for something um especially you know if you're kind of down your luck or you know strapped for cash or whatever the circumstance may be but this one sounds really interesting and and very entertaining too from what i've heard and what you're saying but definitely plan to check that out one name one more show and then i'm out of here uh foundation Ah. on apple tv plus man apple's (laughs) doing something i know i know you i know there's like this general complaint that like Apple's shows are like one step away from being this like high end sort of thing. But I I promise you, you will never see a show that looks like this. That is a series. Um, I've, you know, I've watched clips of Dune. This is like on par with the special effects. Like, I don't know about story wise. Dune, Dune is like an incredible story from pieces that I've heard parts of the, the original movie that I've seen. But foundation is just hitting me like a ton of bricks right now, man. You're getting hit by a lot of bricks right now. Yeah, man. I don't know what <laughs> I'm worried. I'm, wor- I'm I'm worried about you, dude. You know, no one know, ever man. says no one ever says that hit me like one brick, which would no. be would yeah, be incredible. Just, I mean, like not incredible, but I mean, like it would yeah. be it would be. Uh, You'd remember life, that. Yeah, it'd yeah. be life changing. Yeah. So a ton is like it just squashes you. Um, tons, multiple. Yeah. Tons. You gotta yeah, get hit tons. with a ton of bricks. <laughs> Cause one's gonna miss you. You're gonna, you're gonna dodge one. <laughs> and then see, but the way I see it, you just dodge right into another. So you oh, thought you dodged so the, one. Yeah. I, I hit. Yeah. Shoulder. Yeah. Head. Yeah. Yeah. Bam, 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 bam. Lee Pace is an asshole in this show, and I can't stop. Oh, Lee Pace about... plays kind of a prick in this one, huh? Oh, yeah, man, he is evil. He's like, and, and I love him. No, I he got too. a personal trainer. He just plays he got that a personal trainer. Type of and he doesn't look like the well. same Lee Pace that you've known. He looks like a wrestler. He's like real buff. And he's, I really see him weird. on social. He, he's like, he's a good follow on social media. I've seen him in his okay. Jack state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, and this, this one's a, a bag of crazy. And all right. You know, I, all right. So this, this is what I'll say. This, this is what I'll say. I just throw the plot out there. What if, a civilization had to start over again and they had access to all of the information from every sort of civilization, but they choose to just write it the way that it happened in their heads, not the way that it really happened, but it's a very interesting commentary about the way that maybe our history was written the way that, you know, other, organiza- other organizations, other civilizations have chosen to write history. And it's not necessarily the victors write it. It's just the people who write it. 
Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily who were, who was the victors. It's just who who beats who to whatever publication. If you create a publication and put it out, if it's in text, people believe it. And there's a right. real cool commentary about that in the space show about a civilization that is trying to create this library of, of their civilization. It's it's a cool show, man. Yeah, I, I've read a couple of the Asimov books, but uh, the show, it looks like one of those adaptations that takes the original concept, and which is huge and has lots of material, and kind of turns it into something different. So I'm, I'm very interested to see that one. It, it, it looks great. I mean, you were saying that Apple seems like they're a, a step by, uh, away from some of these production values. I feel like Apple has been pretty, like, when they want to do something that looks slick, it, it looks pretty slick. Now, it doesn't yeah, mean that man. the content has always been the greatest, but I think production value-wise, they, they definitely can cook up a, a good-looking a good show. So, um, Well, I, um, I was wondering, did anybody else watch uh, The Many Saints of Newark? I did. Yep. What did you think? Did. Like, like, are you a Sopranos guy? What did you I think? I am. Like, I, I, I am a Sopranos guy. Through and through. I, I have debated whether I would ever need to rewatch The Sopranos, but after watching this movie, I realized, oh, I would totally rewatch The Sopranos. I don't know yeah. that I would rewatch this movie though. I think it has moments that feel like the like the like little character moments, little exchanges, little dialogue bits, some little jokes. There's definitely some stuff that feels like this is David Chase, his per, his peculiar look on the world, his peculiar look at like the way people deal with trauma and dysfunction and his sense of humor. And I think that's present, but I don't think this movie, like for me, I kept thinking like, this is an odd return to this world. And it felt like way more fan servicey than I was necessarily expecting something like this too. Like, I feel like David Chase is the anti fan service guy. I was shocked to see some of these, like the guy who's doing like young Silvio is just like, is like basically like mad TV level sketch acting, uh, you know, it's like an impression of an impression of a character. So some of that stuff uh, was just hard. It's hard to square it with the show. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't seem to add up. However, James Gandolfini's son playing young Tony, some of that stuff really does work and yeah. gets you in the feels. Um, what's his name? Who plays uh, Dickie Moltisante? Is that? Uh, oh God, he's a, he's a, he's great in this. I'm going to, I feel like I always forget that guy's name. Is it? Uh, uh, Alessandro Nivola. Um, he's great. Uh, there's a few good performers like that in there, but it just, yeah, you seem to be shaking your head, Ronald. It just, it doesn't feel like it quite fits or that we needed it. Um, I don't know. I'm surprised they did this. I'm honestly surprised that David yeah. Chase, who seemed like he was done, I made my statement. This was the show I wanted to make. I'm done. I'm surprised he wanted to come back and make this kind of, you know, prequely prequel. It's a very prequelitis yeah. kind of prequel. It's got all those little earmarks of a prequel. So one of the things that legitimately bothered me, you know, if, if you if you read up about how it came to be like Sopranos was originally supposed to be a movie, they didn't want to make a movie out of it. And then he adapted into a TV show that became, you know, everybody's favorite show, mob show. Yeah. One of the things that bothers me about this prequel is that it really is a paint by numbers mob movie. And that's not the way the Sopranos. No, not started. at all. Not at all. Yeah, it it feels like there's a lot of tropes. Like, let's 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 do the the extramarital affair. Let's do the conflict with the black guy. Let's do. It's like every piece of shit, you know, trope in a mob movie. This thing does, and it shouldn't have. Right? Mm-hmm. It feels so self-referential that it's not a standalone movie. 
Yeah. And that's why it's so bad. Like it should be its own movie. It, and I think that's what, you know, you've kind of said through all the things you were kind of saying like that, that that's what made me think once you were describing how you felt about it, it's not a standalone movie. It's like, you remember, remember this person? Eh? And you're right. There is a lot of like, like everybody's talking like that. And it feels like in Sopranos, sure, there were people who who felt like, you know, you've, you've been places and seen people converse and felt like, man, this is this is heightened. This is a heightened conversation versus a damn near, like you said, a parody of a parody mm-hmm. of a person. And it should not fucking feel like that. Not for something that's so beloved. It's not a good movie in that respect. And not for but something is- like you said, that like Sopranos was not the the typical mob thing. It, it no. broke all those conventions, but this kind of, yeah. it breaks a few of them. And I do think narratively, yeah. if you look at like what's revealed, like what a certain character does in this story that is like kind of the main event, it's interesting. It feels like it could have been a cool episode of the show, a cool flashback episode of the show. Or if yeah. they ever did like a prequel season, which I would not want to see, some of this storyline could <laughs> could work. It just, yeah, I think you're right. It, it's 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 an odd fit for a movie. It's an odd thing to do now. Like the Deadwood movie, which I know a lot of people didn't love, but I enjoyed it because at least it came in and said, okay, we needed to conclude this storyline. We didn't get to do some of this stuff with these characters. Let's right. put a cap on it. This feels a little bit more bizarre than that. I mean, obviously, uh, James Gandolfini's dead, so the Sopranos are dead. This is a way to do it. Um, I, yeah, yeah. I think I think it's. I know I've seen some people that just love it, and they seem like real, real fanboys of the Sopranos in a sense to me. That like to love this, but I totally recognize the getting back in a in a favorite world, hearing some favorite names. You know, the thing is, it's not even the same actors, so it's not like you're really seeing your f- favorite faces anymore. It's 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 right. it's a really weird experiment. And the wraparound idea right. with the narration and stuff, how that stuff works is is very odd and feels feels almost like it's a knowing a not, parody. A knowing like nod to self-parody or something though. You know what I mean? Like that stuff like the Michael Imperioli's voice narrating it is is it, nuts. All right. That this will that won't spoil anything, but there's like a hey, I'm Christopher. Yeah. I'm dead. Yeah. And this is hey, is. guess what? Guess what? I'm my dead. cousin kills me later on. Yeah. But let me explain what happened before that. What? Yeah. It has to be done well enough to excuse that, and it's not. So the, the idea that you sat at the family get together a couple seats down from someone who murders you later is pretty interesting. It but is. I don't I don't think the show Ooh. really makes that as much of that as they could have. But it also feels like what you said, Ronald, that is such a throwback to the show that only if you watched the show would you would you get any of that stuff. So it's it's yeah. not a standalone. I mean, I don't think it's being presented as a standalone. This just feels to me like an odd thing. Like this movie's existence, especially as a theatrical thing, it's just yeah. strange to me. Like it's hard to picture who's gonna go see this movie in the theaters. I guess somebody did. Um, but yeah, it's it's an odd one. And I say that as a total Sopranos lover. Like I was totally with the show from the beginning to the end. And um, I wanted to love this movie, man. Yeah. I was it like, just doesn't feel like it. Even the way it's color graded to everything's kind of bluish. It doesn't even have the sort of rich yeah. look of the show. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, anything else anybody watch? I feel like I've seen lots of, uh, I saw the Ted Lasso uh, season finale. Did anyone else watch, watch that yet? No, I didn't no? see the finale yet. Well, it's out today. Uh, as of this episode. So I'm not saying, you know, anyone who's 
who's listening or watching can go watch that. But, uh, you know, it's more Ted Lasso. Maybe after you guys have seen it, we can do a little looking back at the season, how we think okay. it's stacked up kind of thing. Um, but I feel I, I enjoyed the season, but I understand where some of the criticisms are coming from. I think it's interesting when a show um, is such a like viral success sort of or word of mouth success like that one was, how it how it responds to that, you know, how it makes a second season. And I think Ted Lasso tried to spread out and kind of de-emphasize some of the things that people were saying about the show from the first season. And I think they did it with, you know, mixed success, but episode to episode, my family was enjoying the shit out of that show. I think it's still one yeah. of the yeah, still cool. one of the greatest little little so batches good. of characters that I like to spend time with. So um <clears throat> anything oh uh, uh, only murders in the building. I think uh uh, those two episodes, the finale, I've finally seen it. And I will say, all I'll say is the mystery is somewhat resolved and somewhat not. And I think they got a season two and I'm glad they did because that is a fun as hell show. And it just, it's another one that fills me with warmth. Uh, and yeah. I love these performers that I've loved my whole life getting a chance to do something. I think I said this before, not just something that's not embarrassing, but something that really adds to the, like, this is one of the better performances Martin Short has been allowed to give in anything. And uh, Steve Martin, you know, we've seen him be funny. We've seen him be schmaltzy. We've seen him be pretentious. It's great to see him doing something that he, that puts him so squarely back in the realm of like comedy and, you know, silly, silliness. So, right. Um, and Selena Gomez, I have no, nothing against her. And now I really enjoyed her in this. So next, now I'm like vaguely, a fan of Selena Gomez. I don't know. I don't know if that's right for a 48 <laughs> year old man to, to admit, but she's good. She's, she's got the right tone to she's go so up good, against yeah. these two comedy, comedy giants and bring her own like tough minded energy to it. So it, it did not disappoint with a show like that. It could really be a, a disappointment if it got to the end of the season and the story was a disappointment, but it, it stayed smart uh, through to the end. And it's got one of the most uh, earwormy themes of any television show right now i'll hum the theme to only murders in the building for like hours after after watching it so and much much like we hum the theme it, it's so it's so the whole thing reminds me of like cereal so much oh yeah no yeah. the theme yeah, it's very much a, a knockoff yeah, of like that. the cereal I mean, music right but in yeah. the last episode in particular there's a sequence that really makes use of it like a the like a big overdone version of it that really mm, emphasizes yeah. what a great versatile theme and that's when you realize like oh yeah i've been hearing variations on this melody throughout this show mm. and here's like one of those like if you were if you were if you got the soundtrack album this is the track yeah, yeah, put yeah. on because it's like the the final form um that's awesome but, but um i don't know i feel like there was something else that i watched that that either got finished or um but no that's that's maybe oh, oh uh, uh no one gets out alive the the netflix horror film um really a bizarre uh movie it's short enough that it, it being a slow burn and saving its its real shocks for the end is not is not too disappointing i thought it was a really well modulated weird movie that by the time it gets to the end it's like Kind of crazy. I don't know. I enjoyed uh, No One Gets Out Alive. I, I I could see people thinking it's kind of drab or slow, but um, it the mood worked on me. And like I said, it's one of those that when you get to the last ten minutes, you go, "Oh, okay, yeah, you you had something to show us that we've not seen before." And that's that's a that's a plus for any of those type of movies. Whew, that's a lot. Yeah, that's that's plenty, plenty. <laughs> yeah, that's polenta. Um. Yeah, I don't have anything else to add. Cool. Ronald? Um, Ronald, uh, anything else? There's always oh, what something. If. Oh, What If? The season finale of What If today. What If? Yeah. <laughs> and we will answer the question, 
What if? What if Ronald, we weren't kidding. Like you pointed out that they revealed in one of the recent ep- middle of the season, you said they finally fully revealed that the Watcher is a black man. And we, but but it was like after With that, like head. but it was like after that he started becoming much more of a character in the show. I think we were joking about that design, but yeah. what we actually were noticing was they were lingering on him more and giving him more to do. I thought the I I, I ended up really high on that show at the end of the season as far as what it adds to Marvel. It's an animated show. It doesn't need to be the movies to me. I ended up really thinking like this was a fun little experiment and. At its best, that animation looked incredible. Like there were some moments of action and some of the fight choreography and just the fun of it, the mystery of it. Who's going to pop up? What's going to happen? Who can die? Because this is a different thing. I thought it was, uh, to me, it was a really successful experiment by the time it got to the end and it kind of showed you what it had been doing all along. Um, When you figure out what it, you're right. When it, I don't, I did not like this show overall. But like I said, if you, there are some highlight episodes truly amazing episodes right and when you take all that stuff together and like you said when you figure out what's happening and when they that last episode okay you're like all right i mean at least at least it led to something yeah it had something to do and it was something you can't do in the movies and i realized this too those marvel movies that that style we talk about where they kind of look the same i think Mm -hmm. i just liked seeing something marvel that i was like oh yeah this has its own style that's different but it looks different it does it feels like one of the first times that the quote-unquote mcu has -hmm. like branched out into something that isn't under that same style umbrella and it makes me think maybe they'll do more crazy different projects and as they do this show there's a second season of what if coming and they're going to have like phase four movies to pull from so i don't know i I think it's interesting i think i agree with you that maybe it didn't always come together as the most smooth and like refined viewing experience like Mm -hmm. like but i was i was increasingly impressed at the fun they were able to have and they were able to pinpoint a certain tone that they just can't risk doing in their movies you know a little bit more irreverent and like subversive the animated stuff really allows you to do a lot. There's there's parts in the movies. I love how much they spend up a hundred million dollars on stuff. But when it gets to special effects, sometimes it just looks a little odd. With the mm-hmm. animation, everything is seamless. So if somebody goes from like, you know, huge to being thrown across a building to coming back into all this stuff is seamless. It all looks the same. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the CGI sometimes in movies can be a little weird and the yeah. you know the lighting can be weird so that's one thing i will say makes this really cool like you're right some of the animation looks out of this world especially in this last episode mm. looks unreal so i'd say check it out yeah i mean i think you people either people episode. know it or not like at this point marvel's yeah. not like something we need to tip them off to but yeah. i do think it's interesting what you're saying that even if you don't like the way the show came together overall or if like i said if you felt it was a little uneven you can sort of stand back and and see that they did do something. They didn't just repeat yeah. the same the same stuff they've been doing. So, absolutely. So yeah, that's that's it for me. And cool. That's, that's All right, it for us. That'll that'll wrap up the episode. Uh, Moviespreview.com, once again is the main website. You can kind of link off of there to any of the podcast platforms uh, that you prefer to use. Uh, all the social media sites <clears throat> slash movie and also, you know, the YouTube is available. So youtube.com slash movie movie. Like Ronald said uh, at the beginning of the show, uh, we've got these new intro outros on the videos that are nice and neat. And Ronald's doing a great job with those. So 
you thank him for that. Thank you, Rob. Uh, making it look as nicely no as possible, as nice as possible. So go over there and check those out. Um, subscribe. Um, and just kind of just watch the YouTube channel, guys. I mean, just, just do it. Yeah. Just listen to the pod. Watch <laughs> the vids. Just do it all for us, okay? It's not a lot to ask. Um, but yeah, anything you can do, obviously, we appreciate it. Any reviews, sharing links, telling someone, anyone about the podcast um, is, is much appreciated and uh, um, goes a long way just kind of showing the support for the, the show that we've all put so much time into doing. And it's a blast that we do it every week. It's, again, we've said it many times in the last 18 months, like the one, a big silver lining, I think for each of us is the fact that we've been able to be so consistent with this podcast yeah, and talk so regularly about the things that we really enjoy talking about, um, you know, like movies and, and, and TV shows and all that good stuff. So it's a, it's a great outlet for us. And thank you for listening and supporting the show in any way that you can. Um, next week. I don't know what's next week. Next week. We're going to be talking um, maybe. I don't know. Maybe Halloween kills. We'll see what we can do for that. I don't know. Um, maybe what else? Well, Bond comes out. I don't know. It's a, it, today. Bond. Right? Uh, Bond comes out today. We so we, we teased maybe... that we were going to be seeing that and talking about that, but that didn't happen. Ronald and I both managed to mix miss the screening. You you were out of town. Yeah. You had you, you but man. Yeah. Yeah, we both. That's uh, okay. That's okay. Um, no, I know. We'll I, but, but we wanted to. I, you know, especially once you tease it on this show, it kind of becomes sacred. But no, we weren't able to talk about Bond this right. week. You already noticed that, probably, listeners and viewers. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll dial up a nice show next week for you guys, no doubt. Um, yeah, there's the promise. And uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. We, we will figure it out. Um, hey, we make a nice listening. show for you. Yes. You know? <laughs> hey, that's what we do here. <laughs> Um, cool. All right, man. Good seeing you guys. Um, thank you for listening once again. And as always, uh, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.